What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. I want you to throw up the picture of the highlighted Bible, please, Jeremy. And so there is uh, my Bible there, uh, 1 Corinthians. And this week is our last week, um, and this is why I really need prayer today. You know, my biggest fear today is finishing. And so I want a teacher anointing, not a preacher anointing today, okay? So anyway, those are all, all, never mind. Just pray for me. Um, So why do I throw this up here? Well, here's why. Uh, Jeremy, if you can put my key up, please. I, I want to encourage you guys to take a picture of this. We'll probably be sending it around to you uh, as well. But uh, my daughter comes to me, and I, I, when I read my Bible, when a verse jumps out at me, I just I kind of highlight it, okay? I highlight it. I'm like, oh, I like that. I need to highlight that. I want to focus in on that. I want to meditate on that. And Riley's looking at my Bible, my daughter, and she's like, Dad, what are all your highlights mean? And I was like, well, babe, if a verse jumps out, I just kind of highlight it. But they're all different colors, Dad. I'm like, yeah, I know. I just grabbed the highlighter that I have. She's like, Dad, that's kind of not very, well, she didn't, she was honoring. But what I heard was, that's dumb. (laughs) So because of the low-key rebuke by my, my teenage daughter, I said, you know what? Let me, let me develop some stuff. So I looked online. I, I like some stuff online. There's other stuff. You don't have to do this. This is mine. See that? PC. That's me. Okay? You go get your own if you don't like it, okay? I don't need judgment up in this place. <laughs> so yellow, I highlight yellow now because it is God. It's his glory. It's his character. It's his nature. It's his names. And then as, when I look at the yellow, I just don't want to say, okay, that's God. That's who he is. I want to begin to worship him for who he is so that the Bible is not just reading intellectual, but I begin to worship in spirit and truth as I praise God for who he is. So that's yellow. And so I'll go through a whole chapter and I'll just do yellow. I'll stop and then I'll begin to worship God for who he is, his character, his nature. You behold what you become. Then I have purple. Purple. Why purple? Because I want to worship God for his great and precious promises. And I need to begin to rest in the reality that what he's declared over my life is true. And I can rest in that. And it's amazing to see how much purple is connected to yellow. His promises. He is his. Everything is yes and amen. And his promises are true. Green. Those are commands to go and do. So when I see green, in my, that's, I need to go and do that. And so God, you know what? I don't want to do that. Would you give me a heart of obedience so that I'm motivated out of a love for you? I want my obedience to come from a place of love, a want to instead of a have to. Have to is legalism. And that's got to die, but it dies in the arms of love. When you're convinced God loves you, then you'll obey. Blue is my identity in Christ. Now, ladies, you might want to go with pink. I'm a boy, so I chose blue. Ladies, I would encourage you to do pink, okay? 
so there's no confusion. Ask God for the faith to believe that his blood has purchased you and declared everything in blue over your life. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you're going to see that it says, called to be saints. Say, I'm a saint. Yeah, you're a saint. There's something on your head right now. I can see it. I'm just kidding. Catholics, you know what I'm talking about. Again, this is why I need help today. I'm a saint. A lot of the church believes that they're a sinner. No, no, no. Jesus has taken away your sin on the cross. You are now declared by his blood to be a saint. But you're a saint that happens to sin. And there's a difference. There's a difference. He came to save you from your sins. Say, I'm a saint again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue, blue, blue. Girls, pink, pink, pink. Red. It's my warnings. Temptation, sin, punishment, demonic, hell. And I begin to ask God when I see those, give me a hatred for sin. Give me a hatred for wickedness and evil. God, give me a wisdom to overcome, G, overcome temptation like Jesus did in the wilderness and to be a person that has such a sensitivity to grieving your Holy Spirit that I flee like Joseph. Please, God. And so, again, this is highlighting, but it's also interactive so that I'm, I am taking the text and I'm praying this stuff back to God and my wife is like, Chris, if you tell people to do that, that's going to take a long time for one chapter. And I said, yeah, it will be. Most people aren't going to want to do that. This is a way, guys, of how we abide in God's word. That I begin to really go over it again and again and again and again. And Jesus was the word that became flesh. These words that I've given you, that your joy may be full. John 15. When I abide in his words, my joy is full. Because my focus is on how great he is, his character and nature I'm trusting that his promises are going to come to pass. He's given me a heart of obedience, so I just want to begin to do what he's calling me to do. You know what? That keeps me out of that red stuff on the bottom. And then my identity, uh, convinced of who I am in Christ so I can begin to walk in my destiny. Without the surety of your identity, you will not walk in the destiny that he's called you from because you're not believing who he is, what he's said about you. You're not about his commands, and you don't understand who you are in Christ. Like, guys, this is, this is a big deal. So we're going into 1 Corinthians chapter 1 next week, okay? And... Um, I'm giving this to you because if you feel like doing this, do it. If you don't, then don't. It's okay. You're not a second-class citizen in the kingdom. But nobody taught me how to read my Bible as a Christian. And so, you know, sometimes I'm just reading it. I'm, I'm, I'm putting this up here to teach you how to worship the Lord. Because guess what? The Sunday morning service stuff doesn't work. 
We've got the best messages in the world in America, but we've got one of the weakest churches in the world. Why? Because pastors, a lot of times, are not teaching the sheep, go to your good shepherd and learn how to feed yourself and allow him to feed you. It's like, come again next week for this series. This is another reason why. We're telling you in advance where we're going because we want you to get ahead of the Sunday morning series. We want you to go to God and say, God, speak to me. And imagine if everybody spent time in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 this week, did this, journaled, but then came on Sunday morning. You're not waiting to hear what the preacher says. You've already got it from God yourself. And not only that, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the rhema of God. If God speaks to you something, and so by chance I may say something that aligns what God spoke to you, what happens to your faith, it begins to rise, and you begin to believe that God is with me. Instead, we have a culture that says, hey, this guy up here, will you just feed me because I'm like the Israelites. I don't want to go up to the mountain myself. Moses, you go for me. Boy, I'm just already rebuking in announcements. But I say it in love. Why? Because I want what's best for you. I really do. My job is not to entertain. My job is to get you to stand before Christ. So we're about the beauty of the bride here. Acts 6, 4 is my, my, my marching orders from God that I give myself to prayer and ministry of the word because prayer and ministry of the word, that's prayer. That's the ministry of the word. Acts 6, 4, that's, that's what I'm giving to you guys so that you can be so in love with him and when you become in love with him, you become like him. We're going to send you journaling, uh, how to journal as well via email this week, but we're, we're going to start off in the book of 1 Corinthians next week. Let's go ahead and pray before we get started. Father, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you love us. We just rest in your love now, God. We push off the cares of this world. We push off the burdens that we're carrying in this place. And we just lay them at your feet, Jesus. And we just say, apart from you, we can do nothing. We ask for ears to hear what the Spirit is saying because we can't listen apart from you. We put our finger on John three twenty seven that says... A man can receive nothing unless it's given to him from heaven. And so, God, there's nobody who's going to receive anything today unless you give. If you don't give, we don't have. And so we sit here dependent upon you. Apart from you, we can do nothing at all. And, God, that includes me. There's no way I'm going to finish the series today apart from you. <laughs> and there's no way, God, that uh, anything will happen unless you take my words and you anoint them with your Holy Spirit so that it pierces every heart and mind here. 
We need you, Jesus. We need you. We need you. We love you. We love you. And we just welcome your presence in this place today. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> so <clears throat> this series uh, that we've been doing, Abiding is the With God Life. Abiding is the With God Life. And, and this is the fifth part of the series. All of them are online. Uh, Andrew Murray said this. He said, continual praying is the one need of my life. Andrew Murray is one of my favorites, by the way. He's a dead man. Read dead people. The new people, we got too, we got too much stuff going on. We got, we got Instagram. We got, you know, it's just, you know, all they had back then was a candle and a KJV, baby. That was it. No TV, no nothing. So, so those are deep waters there. Anyway, here's what he said. Continual praying is the one need of my life. 1 Thessalonians 5 says what? Pray without what? Ceasing. Well, how do you do that? Some of you are like, yeah, Chris, I work with you. You ain't praying all the time. I can tell by how you're moving. But that's what God has called us to. How do we pray without ceasing? What's the plan for that? Is anybody teaching me how to do that, right? Pray without ceasing. Continual praying is the one need of my life and unceasing waiting moment by moment. This is still Andrew. Unceasing waiting moment by moment on the God who has united me to Christ to perfect his own divine work in me. That one sentence has about 20 Bible verses. And so the reality is, I want to have a posture of waiting moment by moment. Trusting Christ is going to do his work in me. Philippians 2.13, it's his good pleasure to will and to work in you. He's pleased to work in you because you're his boy. You're his girl. He's your dad. He gets excited. It's his good pleasure. And so that's what Andrew Murray says. And so... Man, I believe that God wants to bring us to the place where we live completely abandoned and aligned to the will of God, just like Jesus, all the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, all the time. Where in our hearts, we're like, okay, God, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will in this situation, but yours be done. And I believe because God loves us, as a father, and also he calls us his, Jesus says, you are my friends, that he just wants to do life with us so that we can be aware that he is with us. And that affects everything that we do. You know, in church, it's easy to do that. In my quiet time, it's easy to do that. When someone comes up for prayer here, it's easier to do that because we're conscious of God. But it's, it's in the Monday morning meetings where there's tension in the room or I'm in the to-do list and I say it's my to-do list. This is what I have to do. I have to go to work. And all of that language has so been ingrained in us that's like, okay, God, this is our to-do list. Okay, we get to go to work today. 
oh, this is our problem because you are in me, right? That little shifting of how we think and how we live, we're so far gone and been trained by our culture, which is why Rick kind of started off this thing with Romans 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's not me anymore. It's we. We, we. Let's go to France, baby. So pray. I can't pray without God. Well, Chris, what do you mean? I'll tell you what I mean. Thanks for asking. Early on, we planted the church. There was an elder that was was with us, a good friend of mine, graduated from King's Academy. Yeah, there should have been a couple, but man, hey, it's all right. If you don't want to represent back in the back, Tay-Tay. So anyway, so, so anyway, uh, he also graduated from the University of Florida, and he's, and he, man, and I know I got gators in here, but anyway, so, so, but he's also a lawyer. And he's a Christian. <laughs> Yay, there you go. Hey, that's the blue, that's your identity. Not the gators, not kings, not. Anyway, not what you do. Look at that, I just got Jesus juked. Uh, you guys got me. Uh, so I'm like, T, my back is just killing me, man. It's killing me. And I don't know what's going on. And he's like, you know what? Let me pray for you, Chris. And so he's like, before we pray, let's just invite the Holy Spirit to see maybe there's something that's there. And by the way, that's how our prayer partners should be operating first, because sometimes when you come up for prayer, you may want something, but Jesus may be doing something else. So I'm, I'm just kind of sitting there. And all of a sudden, he's like, ah, I just had this picture, this picture of you telling your son, Christopher, who is maybe four or five at the time, hey, son, I'm going to take you fishing tomorrow. And then Christopher, because of his excitement, he gets up early in the morning. He goes in the kitchen. He's making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Peanut butter's going everywhere. Everything's off the bread and on the table. It's a complete mess. Then he takes the fishing poles and he puts it in the car. He's breaking the poles. He's, the tackle box is everywhere. It is just a complete mess because he said, he thought to himself, I'm excited. I'm going fishing. Let me prepare and get all this stuff done. By the way, he wasn't yelling at me like that, okay? He was just talking to me. Sometimes I get excited. And so he says, I, 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 don't, I don't really know what that means, right? And all of a sudden, Matthew 16 comes to my mind where Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The reality was God, God was saying, Chris, you're like your son trying to plant a church. You're messing things up because you're doing it in your own strength. You're trying to go do it. See, that's what we want as people. We want to go and do, right? We, God, tell me what to do so I can go do it. No, it doesn't work like that. Christianity doesn't work like that. 
And so I had to repent and say, God, forgive me because I was doing things in my own strength. You are the one that's over this church. You are the one that's going to build this church, not me, not me. And I repent of that. I renounce that. I'm not the senior pastor. You are, Jesus. I'm not the church planter. You are, Jesus. Forgive me and help me to join you. After I began to pray that and ask God to forgive me, T said, okay, I think this is what you're doing, Dad. Would you please heal Chris's back? And it's been completely healed ever since. Why do I tell you that story? Here's why. Unless T was abiding in Christ, he would have prayed for my back to be healed, but there was a root that was there that I didn't know about because I was busy building. I'm like, Bob the builder, we can build it. Pride, arrogance, moving too fast. Can I get a witness on my moving too fast, people? Not waiting on the Lord, not looking to the Lord, trying to do it in my own strength. I'm just busy. I'm busy. I'm a busy bee. I'm like an ant. And if he would have just prayed for me without first getting in touch with the leading of the Holy Spirit, I don't think my back would have got healed that day. So this is the life we're called into, guys. This is the life we're called into. And some of you are like, man, that's just too, that's too hard. I don't know if I could be up there and do that. And man, I don't know. I just think I'm that spiritual. Let's start at home. Jeremy, can you put the squeegee up? And you're probably like, hey, what's up with this picture? The next one, Jeremy. And now you see that picture. Now, you see the handle out or the handle in? Raise your hand if you like the handle out. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Come on, people. Roman, Tay, fellas, I need you because I'm like, you grab it like that, then you go into the thing and you wipe it down. My wife, she's saying that's the right way. How many people in here? Oh, man. She's always right. She's always right. So here's me. She brings it up once, and I'm like, is it really that big deal? And so I just kind of just, sh- you know, shower, and I, I, I put it back the other way. So I keep doing it the right way from my perspective, Jeremy. So she says it again. And then maybe she might have said it again. I don't know. But all I know in my flesh, here's what's going on. Seriously? You know how hard I work? You want to make a big deal about that? I'm busting my butt every day. I've got things I'm focused on, woman. i got to get to church. i got to get to work. I'm running behind right now because I was just sitting with you for an hour, listening to you, praying for you, praying over you. Now you're tripping over some little thing. And did you think that? Yeah, not, not really that bad, but I'm just giving, being a little extra. <laughs> and 
And so what is that? That's my flesh. Now, if I don't deal with my flesh that's arising, what's going to happen? Now, all of a sudden, the enemy has access. And then it goes next level. I can't stand you. You're a nag. You never get off me. Would you get off my back? And there's this bitterness, there's this resentment, there's this hatred, there's this anger, and it's all because of a squeegee. (laughs) So as I'm complaining to the Lord about my wife, focusing on things that are insignificant in life, and she should get over it, that still quiet voice said, Chris, my son in whom I'm well pleased. You can't remember because you're not smart enough to keep the Swedes, yet I keep doing that. And I'm really, so why don't you ask me to remind you to do it the way Colleen wants it because you need to prefer her. You need to honor her. You need to love her. And for the life of me, I can't remember to do it right. My heart is clean, it's good, but I can't remember to do it right. But man, if I abide in Christ, I'm gonna remember to do it right. It's not gonna bother me. It's gonna be my pleasure to do it the way, even if it's wrong, you like it. I'm pleased to do that because she is my bride. So listen, forget about the healing backstory and the vision from God. Some of us just need to start with a squeegee in our house where we need to say, Holy Spirit, how can I serve my wife today? How can I love my wife today? How can I honor my husband today? What can I just do to know? I I want him to feel honored today, appreciated today. And see, that's, by the way, we're going to get into blocks of abiding, but that's the block right there. You know why? Because we have roots of bitterness, unforgiveness. Those little voices that were coming up inside of me, right? The little, like, you know that voice. We all got that voice. That's the flesh. Because the flesh wants its own way. The flesh is always right. The flesh is proving its point. I did research on squeegees. No, I didn't do that. I've had people do research on stupid things like that instead of just saying, you know what? Let me flip it around to prefer you. So this is why we need the Holy Spirit. Last two weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus emptied himself because we went over the vision, the intention, and the means. Weeks weeks three and four, vision, Vision, like, hey, this is the life God's called me to. It's the life of abiding. It's the with God life. The intention. Is there a passion in me so that I'm focused, so that I'm training, so that I'm really believing? I can do this, but the means, the means. The means is the person of the Holy Spirit. The means. How can I carry this out? I won't remember the squeegee thing apart from the Holy Spirit. 
I won't move properly apart from the Holy Spirit. If you come and say, hey, this is my, I need prayer for this, and out of a fear of man, I pray for you because of what you want, because I wanna just be nice to you, rather than, hey, I'm gonna pray for that situation, but let's wait upon the Lord because he might be doing something. And see, to sit in silence and not get anything, that's a step of faith, by the way. And sometimes I've looked really, really dumb because God's not saying anything. Am I okay with that? Or am I just going to operate of a fear of man and just pray for you for what you want? You see, this abiding is a big deal. It's our whole life. And so Jesus emptied himself when he did ministry. And I felt like I came across this video of a guy named Larry Bird. Some of you might have never heard of him. And by the way, I, I, I couldn't stand Larry. I was a Mike guy, like Mike, if I could be like Mike. Anyway, but Larry's a legend, and Larry emptied himself one game. Jeremy, go ahead and play that clip for me. Didn't Bird shoot left-handed? for an entire game against Portland? Larry told all of us and the media, he said, tomorrow night's the last game of the trip, I'm going to play this one left-handed. I, I remember because I was there, and it was, it was at a time when, um, you know, Mikhail was still coming off the bench. And uh, so he had, he scored the first eight points of the game left-handed. <laughs> And Jerome, and Jerome Kersey was guarding him at the time, and, and, and I remember this, because we had a great trash-talking team. I mean, we had ML Carr, we had Mikhail, we had Bird, we had, um, you know, Ainge was a yacker. I mean, we, we just, we, we, had, we had guys with, with great creativity with that, and, and, and I'll never forget, Mikhail yells out, Hey, Jerome, wait till you start shooting right-handed. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was funny. So I was trying to explain to you last week, because here's the biggest block, that when Jesus walked this earth, he was fully God, fully man, but he emptied himself. He emptied himself. It was like Bird playing left-handed for a game. Jesus was fully God, but he emptied himself. One of the things we talked about, he emptied himself of his omnipresence, because Psalm 139, 139 says God is everywhere. And so Jesus emptied himself. And he was, never went 300 miles from where he was born. He was fully God, but yet he was fully man. He emptied himself. And we spent a lot of time with that on, on Philippians chapter 2, where that phrase comes from, Christ emptied himself. And I want you to go today to John 5.30, because I want you to see how Jesus emptied himself. Book of John Chapter 5, verse 30, and we are going to put on our seatbelts right now, and we are going to run through the book of John. And the reason why I want to do this is so that you can see the mindset of Jesus, the mindset of Jesus, that you can understand that Jesus was playing left-handed. When he walked this earth, he was playing left-handed. Some of you doctrine heads might, might rebuke me afterwards. I don't know. I might face, I mean, yeah, nah, is that? Okay. Uh, Jesus was playing left-handed? Okay, good, man. He's got his M-div, so I'm straight, baby. 
John 5.30, John 5.30. And and this is a really, really powerful passage right here. Jesus says this, I can do nothing on my own. I want you to highlight nothing on my own. Okay, he is God, but he says I can do nothing on my own. Does that mean he can't do anything? Well, it means this, he's choosing to play left-handed. He's choosing not to, to do anything in his in his God power, if you will, and he's submitting himself to the Father. So listen to this. As I hear, I judge, meaning Jesus never judged apart from hearing the Father. Us Christians get into trouble because when the squeegee's wrong, we start judging apart from the Father rather than, God, this is what my wife is saying, but what are you saying? How do I respond? We judge apart from the Father. That's why we get into trouble. I never forget a time I was rebuked by the Lord. I see this homeless guy at the end of the street. And I, and, and I, I just kind of, <clears throat> bro, why don't you just get a job? You can walk. You can hold a sign. You can say, welcome to McDonald's. Right? Now, is that true, by the way? Yeah, it's true. And does the Bible say you don't work, you don't eat? Is that true? Yeah, get a job. All of a sudden, as I made that judgment, kept driving, God, you are great in your goodness. Still small voice says, Chris, that would be you if I didn't come March 4th, 1998, while you were on drugs in your room and you gave up on life. That's where you would be, buddy. Don't, don't, don't. What happened? I judged that guy apart from the Holy Spirit. We do it all the time as a way of life. Don't do that anymore. you got to learn to abide. This is how I judge this, but God, how do you judge this? Jesus never judged anything on his own. Think about that. As I hear, I judge. As I hear, I judge. Man. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will. This isn't about me. This is about my dad. So I'm not trying to do anything for me right now. I'm just obeying my dad. It's not my will. It's his. It's his. Oh, what a heart. Let's go to John 17, 14. John 17, 14. And here's Jesus again. He's speaking. This is his mindset. This is how he rolled. All right? The book of John is Jesus is God. That's the book that describes him as God. But being in the form of God, he didn't consider equality with God a thing to cling to, a thing to be grasped. But he made himself a servant. He emptied himself. And so John 17, 14, it says, In the middle of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and began teaching. And the Jews, therefore, model saying, how is it that this man has learned when he's never studied? Jesus didn't go through the rabbinical training of the day like most of the teachers did. He'd never studied. He didn't have his degree. Okay? And how does he respond Verse 16, he said, chapter seven, chapter seven did it, what did I say? Oh, I am so sorry. My wife usually corrects me faster. I, she's not in here. Thank you, Jack. 
John 7, verse 14. I'm going to sit down. Teaching, seatbelt, no preaching. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and he began teaching. Verse 15 of John 7. The Jews therefore marveled. They're marveling at his teaching. How is this man has learning when he's never studied? Verse 16. Jesus answered them and said, what? My teaching's not mine. My teaching is not mine. So wait a minute. Jesus' teaching wasn't his. This is what annoys me about people that want an an honorarium to come and speak. Because they've got 16 books. It's annoying to me. If your teaching's good, it's not yours. It came from God. Anyway, that's a hoax. Help me, God. My teaching's not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he'll know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking to you on my own authority. Hey, verse 17, that's a big verse. How do I know Jesus is God and everything that he said is true? Because I've actually done what he's commanded, and I know for a fact, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he is God and his words are true because they've come to pass in my life. Test him. Let's go to John chapter 8, verse 28. John chapter 8, verse 28, please. So we're looking at Jesus' mindset. And by the way, remember what we said in Philippians chapter 2? You have the mind of Christ. So the question today, is this your mindset? Is this my mindset? John chapter 8, verse 28, it says, Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man... Then you will know that I am he, that I do nothing on my own authority. Highlight that again, please. He wasn't doing it in the authority as God. He was doing it under the authority of his father. He submitted to his father in everything. But I speak just as the Father taught me. Verse 29, he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Great memory verse, by the way. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Jesus, he he so loved his dad, he wanted to please his dad with everything that he did. John 12, 49, please. John 12, 49. Again, Jesus is, he's saying this, I have not spoken on my own authority. Highlight that, please. John 12, 49. But the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. So again, Jesus was was hearing from the Father, then speaking. Let's go to John 14, please. John 14, verse 1. He's in the last night where he's about to be crucified, and he's with his disciples, and he's encouraging them, knowing that he's going to suffer on the cross. He says to them, Because he told them, I'm leaving. I'm going to leave, guys. And he says to them in John 14, 1, Hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and I'm going to take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. He wants to be with you. Verse 4. And you know the way where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, uh, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I'm the way. And the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you had have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. And then Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is me, in me? So let me stop right there. Remember, uh, 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 two weeks ago, I said, if they see you, they should see Jesus. If they touch you, they should touch Jesus. Why? Because through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we're called to the same life Jesus was called to. The Father was in him and he was in the Father. For us as Christians, because of the Holy Spirit's indwelling, we are in Christ. We're in Christ and Christ is in us. And we're called to move the same way Jesus did. By the way, this is Christianity 101. Christ wants to live his life through you. He wants to do life with you. Verse 10, John 14. Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. There it is again. Highlight that. He's not speaking on his own authority. He's saying what the Father wants him to say. He always did that. Can you get to the place where you always do that? I believe so. I believe so. But if you don't believe so, you never will. If you think you can't, you won't. But the Father, at the end of verse 10, dwells in me, does his works. Again, that's Philippians 2.13. It is your Father's good pleasure to work in and through you. He wants to do that. He's pleased to do that. But we we have this false belief, this block that, no, I can't do that. That was Jesus. Jesus wasn't doing things in his own strength. He was obeying the Father, submitting to the Father. And the real issue is, here's the real issue that's often tied to, I don't, uh, that was Jesus. The real issue is, I kind of don't want to do that. I want to do what I want to do. And deeper than that, the other issue is, I really don't trust that God is good. So I believe in Jesus, but to really surrender all, meh. Verse 11, believe in me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. 
So what is he calling them to do? Believe. John 14, 24, please. Chris, I think you made your point. Well, this is one of my problems. I'll keep driving things home, and I don't let it go. That's why my sermons are so long. But also, it's one of our problems is we really don't believe this. We think Jesus did what he did because he was Jesus. And there's some truth to that, but that's not all the truth. Whoever does not love me, John 14, 24, does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is what? It's not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So again, Jesus was speaking what the Father wanted him to speak. Let's go to John 14, 31. Same chapter, 31. But I do as the Father has commanded me. Yes, I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Because he loved his dad, he obeyed his commands. I want you to go to John 17. Finally, we're in John 17. Let's go to verse 4. This is the priestly prayer. Again, he's praying for his disciples. But he starts off praying to his father. He's like, Father, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Again, Jesus just didn't do what he wanted to do. He did the work that the father gave him to do. What has the father given you to do, Christian? And are you about accomplishing it? And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Remember, he emptied himself and he became a man. He left glory. He left his throne. He left heaven and he came to earth, fully God, fully man. I have manifested your name. Jesus wasn't promoting his name. He was promoting the Father's name. To the people whom you gave me out of the world. God gave the disciples to Jesus, yeah. Luke chapter 6, he prayed all night. God, who are my 12? And God, God told him the 12 and he chose the 12. But he, he says, God, you gave them to me. This, this goes back to John three twenty seven. A man can receive nothing unless it's given to him from God. The same posture that John the Baptist had and understood is the same posture that Jesus had, that he was going to wait on God to show, you show me, God. Verse six, yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. And now they know that everything you've given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them and they've come to know in truth that I came from you. And they believe that you sent me. So again, he did nothing on his own. He was completely dependent on the Father for everything. Completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. Again, this is the biggest block for the church. And look, if you, if you really, really, really want to see your life begin to take off, say, God, forgive me for pointing to you and saying, well, that was Jesus. I can't do that. Because didn't he say somewhere, like, you'll do greater works? Didn't he say, you'll cast out demons, you'll heal the sick? You'll raise the dead. He, he said that. But no, that was Jesus. And that lie, that lie 
is ruining lives, not your own, but the people that you're called to set free because the Lord has anointed you. He's anointed you. And a lot of us don't believe that either. That was Jesus. I want you to go to Luke now. So it's interesting how the four Gospels give different glimpses of Jesus. So in the Gospel of John, that demonstrates that Jesus is God. There's a lot of I am statements in there. He is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. And the Word was God, and in verse 14, the Word became flesh. and So he's God. But the book of Luke, it uses the phrase son of man more than any other passage. And we see Jesus going off to pray more than any other book, not more than any other passage, more than any other book. We see son of man more than any other of the books and the gospels. We see him going off to pray. So this is Jesus living as a man. So, so it's a different uh, a perspective. So Luke 3, 21. So we're still working with this question, how did Jesus do it? What was his mindset? We laid a foundation. Everything he did, it was, it was dependent on the Father. And now we're going to see him moving in Luke as the Son of Man. So verse 22 of Luke chapter 3, And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and the voice came from heaven, You're my Son, You're my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. So the Holy Spirit falls upon him. Now let's go to Luke chapter four, verse one. Jesus was now full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him as a dove. And what happened? He was led to the Jordan. Look at Luke 4, one. He was led by the what? spirit into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil and he ate nothing so he was led by the spirit to to go away and fast and be alone with god he was led by the spirit he he didn't just say well you know what i need to go fast for 40 days no the spirit led him to do that and by the way that's another block uh i don't know if i want to do that because i love food Let's go to Luke 4, 14. After overcoming all these temptations, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Notice the difference. Full of the Holy Spirit, power of the Holy Spirit. There's many of us that don't walk in the power of the Holy Spirit because we continue to give in to temptations. And you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Luke 4, 16. So now he's coming in the power of the Spirit, and he reads this this scroll. Let's go down to 18. It says, and this is from Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Luke 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
Jesus did his works through the power of the Holy Spirit. God had anointed him. Let's go to Luke 5, 17. So again, we're answering the question, how did Jesus do it? We saw the first, through the book of John, his mentality. Even though he was God, he submitted to the Father. Now we're seeing in Luke how he walked as the Son of Man in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at Luke 5, 17. On one of those days, he was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judah and Jerusalem, and what? The power of the Lord was with him to heal. He didn't heal in his own power, but the Holy Spirit was present to heal. Some of you will get healed this morning of something physical, mental, spiritual, but you're not going to get healed because somebody's been through a, a training on prayer. You're not going to get healed because of Bible knowledge. You're not going to get healed because it's because of the presence of the Lord is, is, is here. Sometimes he chooses not to heal. And are you okay with that? Is the cross enough? Let's go to Acts 10.38, and I really, really like this one because it just sums up my point. Acts 10.38. Whenever I go out on prayer walks and whenever I go uh, just to do X, Y, and Z, I... I, I, I Often I, I read this passage. This is what it says. God anointed, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? The Holy Spirit and with what? Power. And he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil for what? God was with him. Guys, this series has been about that. I want you to turn here to, to 1 John 2.20. 1 John 2.20. And if you forget anything else today, I pray that you would just begin to believe this one verse. It will change your life and outlook. First John 2.20. But you have, say I have, I have, been anointed by the Holy One. And you have all knowledge. Hmm. That's a powerful statement that, if we're honest... We don't believe it. This is written to the church of Jesus Christ. And if you don't believe you're anointed, you're going to go to that conference so you could get a part impartation. Am I going to believe what the Bible says and begin to live like that and begin to thank God that I'm anointed? Not in an arrogant, prideful way. 
But the same way Jesus walked, he was anointed. He knew he was anointed. He said, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Listen, is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing? Do you pray for people like they're anointed? Or is it like some horseshoe you just toss, toss up and you hope it gets close to the thing? I had the opportunity, listen, I had the opportunity to play golf last week. Somebody took me to play golf. I was 150 yards away. And Dave and Bill Hobbs, you're not going to, and anybody else who's played with me, you're never going to believe this. But it's true. I've got a witness. Robbie Loveland's the witness. I don't know if he's here this morning. Robbie, are you here? You guys can ask him. 150 yards out. Boom. Four inches from the cup, from the flag. Never happened. Probably never will happen. And then I putted it, and I was so nervous. And it did one of those where it went around the thing, and then it went in. It went in with flair. <laughs> I was playing with a pink ball, by the way, that I scooped out of the water. Do you know why? Because I was expecting my ball to go into the water on that shot. But it was the greatest shot I've ever... I might have to quit, actually. (laughs) But most of us are like that when we pray. God, I hope you hear this. I, 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 I... And then we'll throw out, if it's your will, Lord. Well, what if we say, God, what is your will before we pray? What are you doing right now? But but you see, you have to believe God's with you to pray that. And that's this with God. That's this abiding. Abiding in Christ, guys. This is the life that we're called into. The Holy Spirit is in you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is within you. And God has declared over your life, if I'm for you, who or what can be against you? Who or what? Yeah, even you can't be against you. No demon, uh, uh, no, you know, like, like nothing can be. He's for you and he has anointed you in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're anointed. But we don't believe. We don't believe. I want you to turn to John 6, please. And then we're done. Worship team, if you could come forward, please. John 6, 28. The disciples are asking Jesus, hey, Jesus, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do to do your works? And Jesus said to them, well, they, they asked. I should have just read it. John 6, 28. What must we do to be doing the works of God? And that's a good question for all of us, right? 
And Jesus said, the work of God, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who is sent. So guys, listen, forget about healing the sick and raising the dead and words of knowledge and prophecy. I, I, I just want you to believe that Christ is in you, that he has anointed you, and that he's going to begin to do things as you abide in him. The work is to believe, guys. It's to believe. When circumstances seem like a mountain, to believe that he said you can speak to this mountain and you can throw it into the sea. To believe. That we be a people that walk as if we're anointed because we believe what God's word has declared. And when we start believing that Christ is in us, Christ is with us, that he loves us, we begin to abide in him. Man, we're going to bear fruits. And so let's just go ahead and bow. Lord Jesus, we believe, but would you help our unbelief? We've seen the life of Jesus today and how he operated Forgive us, God, for saying, well, that was Jesus. And would you help us to believe, God? I pray, God, for your church to rise up as disciples, that they would walk as if they're anointed by you, because that's what your word has declared. May they expect, God, and believe, God, that with you, all things are possible. And so, God, without faith, it's impossible to please you. And so, God, we ask for hearts that just desire to please you. We love you, Lord. We love you, God. We worship you, God. And we pray, God, that you would help us to believe. Help us to believe that you are going to work in and through us for the glory, for the glory of your name, Jesus. We love you. And we just ask you, God, for the gift of abiding. The gift of abiding. That we can do life with you and not apart from you anymore. We ask this in Christ's name. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.